Hi, this is Colin McCallan with the Is This Legal podcast. We hope you're enjoying our show. Please help us out by taking a moment to leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts or to subscribe. Thank you. Welcome to Is This Legal? Here are your hosts, attorneys Colin McCallan and Russell Hevitz. Hello to everyone out there. This is Colin McCallan, joined with my partner, Russell Hevitz. How are you doing, Russ? I'm doing great. Howdy, everyone. We are still kind of on semi-lockdown from COVID-19. Um, it's been uh, almost two months at this point. Uh, we're, co- we're recording this in early May. Uh, and we thought it would actually be a really good time to do a podcast on another COVID-related topic. And we're going to be talking about basically where the governor, where a mayor, where a president gets their authority to issue stay-at-home orders in the first place. Uh, where they get the authority to lift them, what they have to do to demonstrate in order to get a stay-at-home order in place. Um, we thought this would be an interesting discussion because um, over the last couple of weeks there have been some public protests all over the country where people are gathering to protest stay-at-home orders and other such things related to COVID-19 and obviously governors and politicians are feeling pressure to reopen and whether or not that's a good or a bad thing we at least wanted to talk about where they get this power to do these things in the first place right Russ? That's right, because it's an important question, because from the protesters' point of view, um, you know, this is the government, whether it's state or federal or local, that is keeping them oftentimes from people's livelihoods, right? And you have, I mean, we, we have talked about the Constitution and how important constitution, constitutional rights are multiple times on different podcasts, and so... Many of our loyal listeners will recall, you know, First Amendment, right? First Amendment guarantees the right to peaceably assemble. First Amendment guarantees the right to a free exercise of religion. These are things that are being curtailed by these stay-at-home orders. You can't go to church anymore. You can't go meet in public anymore. So, I mean, this looks like a flagrant violation (laughs) of my First Amendment rights, and I'm going to grab my AK-47 and go march on the Capitol. That's right. Well, a lot of people agree with that uh, point of view, and so we're going to talk about whether they're right to feel that way in this podcast. Well, one Um, one real interesting thing, one interesting point on that is is history always repeats itself if you wait long enough. Yeah. Because back in the last pandemic that humanity has dealt with was the Spanish flu epidemic in 1918. And in 1918, in San Francisco, we had essentially the same situation where there was social distancing, what we now know as social distancing, it wasn't called it then, and there were mandatory mask orders, and there was actually an anti-mask league wow. that formed. And in fact, they make, they make these protests that we're talking about today look like tiny They had 4,500 people gather to protest masks in San Francisco, this anti-mask. What year? This was 1918. Wow. How about that? This is into 1919. Well, uh, so here we are 100 years later and still dealing with stuff like this. Well, let's. what what, what I thought we would start with is kind of 
um, using using our state, the state of Colorado, as kind of example in terms of looking at what Colorado has done via its governor, um, what other mayors have done in the state, and then what the interplay is with Colorado and the federal government with regard to this situation. And this is going to apply pretty pretty clearly to pretty much every state in the union. That that's correct. So um, so this is executive order two zero two zero zero one seven by the governor. And it was it was issued at the late in late March, uh, effective through May fourth. Um, actually, pardon me, May first. But essentially, it was an order telling people that due to the COVID pandemic, they are required to stay home if they can. Uh, it does carve out uh, a few exceptions for critical emergency personnel, certain businesses uh, exempt from the order. Um, but really, this is a three-page document uh, that basically shut down the entire state of Colorado. Now, importantly, this document has its authority built into it. So where does this executive order come from? Uh, Where does he get the authority? Well, Russ, it comes right from the Colorado Constitution. Every state has one of these, right? Every state has a Colorado Constitution. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I had no idea. Colorado is the supreme <laughs> law of the land for all 50 states, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, that's we have our own state constitution. Every, everybody does. And in fact, not only did Governor Polis uh, cite the Colorado constitution for his authority, but he also cited Colorado Revised Statute 2433.5704, which is... I mean, everyone knows. <laughs> that, that needs no explanation. <laughs> that, that is the uh, Colorado Disaster Emergency Act, uh, which gives him actually a tremendous amount of authority to act in these emergency powers. And these are, these are statutes that pretty much every state has some analogy analogous statute of right. these statutes. And this was drafted well before this pandemic hit. Right. I mean, these these uh, these procedures are in place for natural disasters, for pandemics, for anything that would upend uh, a state or their rule of law. But essentially what this order, what these emergency powers allow him to do, first of all, it allows him to just declare what a disaster is. Um, it allows, it may, it's really up to the governor to decide whether or not something is a disaster. Um, and then it gives him the authority to administer orders with regard to all aspects of state, local, and interjurisdictional uh, emergency plans um, that it would that, we, that he would have the authority to come. So everything in the state of Colorado, essentially, he has control over in terms of being able to shut down a municipality, a local government, things like that. So what if you disagree with his definition of what an emergency is? What if he says... Um, you know, the mosquitoes are really biting a lot this summer, and uh, I declare this a state emergency, and I want everyone to stay at home to avoid the mosquito scourge. Uh, technically, I think he might be able to do that. that I think he would uh, be on pretty shaky ground with the public and maybe with the courts as well, because obviously his authority still is legal. It still rests within the bounds of the Constitution, and I think he might fail in that regard to demonstrate that this is an actual emergency. Remember, he actually has to say, here's why I'm doing this, Um, here's what the emergency is in concrete terms, 
And in fact, Polis did that in his order. He talks about the COVID findings. He talks about federal studies that right. came out talking about how, what a mass threat this is. Yeah. So, so the so the remedy for that, if if something like that happens, I mean, in this case, Polis, the the governor of pretty much every state is on very solid grounds because it's so well known right. that this is a pandemic that is taking quite a lot of lives globally. Um, but the the remedy if someone is overstepping their bounds would be to get a temporary injunction from a court right and state that this executive order is unconstitutional well i think i think you would have to be affected by state action in some way in order to be in order to have standing to bring a lawsuit so you might be an aggrieved business person who literally cannot open their doors because of this order. You might be a person who got cited. I mean, if you're one of these rare people who get actually get a citation for avoiding the stay-at-home order, you might be able to say, you know what, this order affects my First Amendment uh, right to freedom of speech, yeah, freedom so, to assemble. So that that's an interesting distinction because there are those two different ways to attack things constitutionally. Right. One of them is on its face. You just say this statute is unconstitutional. Right. The other way is as applied. So, like, for an example of what you're saying, it affects you directly. Like, let's say you are recovering from cardiac surgery and part of your treatment is to go outside and exercise for... 30 minutes to 60 right. minutes daily for sure. your recovery. So that person in that situation would have that standing to go and say, as the statute is applied to me, I'm not saying it's unconstitutional on its face. I understand COVID and I understand right. how bad it is, but as, as applied. applied to me, it is unconstitutional. And you can attack things that way. Exactly. So um, we talked about the, the governor of Colorado issued this order um, and, and I guess real quick, let's talk about enforcement of this order. I will tell you, uh, absent really in the order is any sort of provision explaining what would happen if someone were to violate the stay-at-home order. And, and I, think, I, I think there's kind of a societal understanding that we're not going to be mobilizing law enforcement agencies at this time to really impose stringent curfew laws regarding this pandemic. In fact, I, I read a couple of quotes from some metro area Denver metro area district attorneys who indicated, yeah, that doesn't seem to be a very good use of our resources. Right. It's it's clearly not, especially at this time when pretty much everything is going on kind of skeleton crew, short, right. short staff. Now, I have heard of other states um, enforcing right. the orders exactly. and enforcing them. Like, hey, back in 1918, San Francisco was issuing five right. and $10 fines to people. Boy, that was a lot of loot back that's then. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's something that could really take a bite out. That's like a month paycheck, I think, <laughs> right. back then. Yep. So, so there are some enforcement mechanisms in there. And so, like, the interesting thing is, like, so where are those enforcement mechanisms? Because, obviously, there's no laws on the books saying if you violate violate the COVID-19 stay-at-home order, then you're subject to X, Y, Z criminal liability, right? That, that's exactly right. And, in fact, of course, we continue to go down the uh, I guess, the hierarchy with regard to government. So we, we've been talking about the governor. What about the mayor? Well, the mayor of Denver, let's take Michael Hancock. Um, he issued his own mayoral executive order. This was an 11-page order. It was much longer than Mr. Polis's. Um, that actually was much more encompassing than the statewide order. So, Russ, wait a minute. We have the governor issuing a statewide order. Why does the mayor 
even need to weigh in on this at all? Why does he need to issue any order, much less a much more restrictive order for the city and county of Denver? So as we're talking about that hierarchy that you talked about, as you go down that hierarchy, it just makes sense from a common sense standpoint that people at localities, the narrower, the geographic, the population, the socioeconomic, all of these factors play in and decisions should generally be made at the micro level, not the macro level. Right. Like, I'm sure President Trump has no idea what's going on in Durango, Colorado. Or with the Durango, Colorado Police Department. Right, exactly. So so for that reason, that's why these mayors are issuing different orders. And as long as those orders are more restrictive and not less restrictive, that's allowable. That's correct. We're, we're, we're in an interesting situation right now, Russ. You and I are in legal limbo in a way. Um, right now, uh, we're recording this in Denver. Colorado just lifted their stay-at-home restriction. However, we are also in Denver, Colorado. Denver, Colorado's uh, order lasts until May 8th. So, uh, and, and it turns out that's okay. As long as the lower government, like Russ just said, issues a more restrictive order than what the higher authority issues were okay. Now we would be we would having a we would ha- be having a much different discussion if Mayor Hancock had said something like, you know what, I think that uh, Governor Polis's order goes way too far. I think my residents in uh, Denver know how to handle themselves. I'm not issuing any orders. In fact, I'm recommending that they we not follow the statewide issue. I and 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 I I'm I'm issuing that through my mayor mayoral authority. As the Denver mayor, what, right. does that float? That would be extremely problematic. That would not float at all. I, the first judge whose desk that landed on, would enter an injunction saying you cannot do that because you cannot have a less restrictive order at a municipality which is smaller than the statewide order. That's exactly right. Now let's segue this into. Uh, the relationship that Colorado has with the federal government. Because um, about two weeks ago, President Trump made some public comments talking about this very issue, about where where final authority rests in order to reopen the economy. Does it rest with governors or does it rest with, say, the President of the United States? Do you want to set that up? Yeah, I mean, uh, President Trump made some statements saying that he was going to decide when states opened up. He said he had total authority. Total authority. That was, I think, the quote that... that, yeah, that he, had, he had total authority. Now, he didn't, he didn't exercise that authority right. or attempt to exercise that authority. Um, does that authority exist? Well, probably not. It's not crystal clear, but here's the analysis. Um, we actually... Remember, we always start with the law when we're looking at these questions of constitutional law. And and the Tenth Amendment, uh, which, by the way, I'm pretty sure we have not talked about the Tenth Amendment, that, so it's finally could, getting right. its due. That could, be, that could be a future podcast. <laughs> yeah, but here, uh, here it is for you. The Tenth Amendment of the United States Constitution, which is included in the original Bill of Rights, says that the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution nor prohibited by it to the states are reserved to the states respectively or to the people. Another way of breaking that down is say, is what it's saying is if it's not 
explicitly covered in the United States Constitution, then states have the authority to act on their own um, with regard to things like this. And right. in the past, things like police powers, which involve the health, safety, and well-being of their citizens, those are usually matters that are decided at the state or local level. Right. States, states have the power and responsibility for maintaining public order and safety in their states. And, 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 and when you think about it for two seconds, right, Russ, that makes sense. I mean, what is happening right now in New York City is most likely very different than what's happening in Logan, Utah, which is very different than what's happening in Eugene, Oregon. Right. You know, who is better equipped to make the decisions for those those folks? Probably local government as opposed to federal government. However, the reason that I said I, I was only ready to commit to uh, you know, governors probably have the authority. It's because you have commitment issues. <laughs> I do have commitment <laughs> issues. But aside from my commitment issues, what I'll say is I think that pre- I think that President Trump, as the president of the United States, I definitely think he could issue a lockdown order if he wanted to. I agree. I think he could go. Um, I think he could go. He could issue a lockdown order. I think he could not tell specific states what they have to do, but he could do a blanket order saying, for the health of our republic, for the health of the United States of America, I am issuing a stay-at-home order for the country. I think he could do that. I don't think he can do a reopening order, though. I don't think he can do what he was talking about, which is saying, well, I don't care if the governors open their states. I'm going to open up their states. Uh, I think at the time he was talking about Easter, optimistically. But um, he's backed off from those comments, by the way. Right. Uh, he, In fact, I think the next day he indicated that governors do have an incredible amount of, of authority in making these decisions. But I think that's what is getting people talking about this. You know, what 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 happens if another person in authority comes and makes a different proclamation. And how do we deal with that? All right, so I want to I want to talk before we move on a little bit about how this gets addressed if you are out there and you're saying it's my livelihood and it doesn't seem bad in my area right. and I still think that I need to go work, right. right? I need to go work in order to survive and I understand you're saying there's a risk that I'll get sick, but if I don't go work, I'm not going to have food to put on the table. If that person files a suit claiming unconstitutionality, mm-hmm. as we said before, either as applied to them or generally, here's, here's how that analysis would go with the courts. The courts, the courts this, this goes back to a 1905 case Jacobson versus Massachusetts. And it was a case where a local pastor in Massachusetts did not want to get the smallpox vaccine. And he said, I don't think it's effective and I have a constitutional right to not have to get that vaccine. Keep in mind, this is before smallpox was eradicated, right? So it was a big problem. He, he challenged this in court. It went all the way up to the United States Supreme Court, and the United States Supreme Court ultimately sided with the state of Massachusetts. And here was their reasoning. They basically said, individual rights to liberty may. So they agreed that he had a right to decide if he got that smallpox vaccine or not. Mm -hmm. They said, individual rights to liberty may at times be subject to restraint 
for the safety of the general public as it may demand. Mm -hmm. Okay, so he, the Supreme Court basically said sometimes the good of the many outweigh the liberty of the few. Wow. I mean, it's just, it's amazing to think of how the Supreme Court would say something like that. I mean, that, that is a really, really bold statement. It's, it's, it's incredibly bold. Now, what they did do is they, they said, okay, this, this statute, this rule, is still subject to strict scrutiny. Right. Okay, that's the highest level of scrutiny that you have when you go to a court. And it has to be narrowly tailored to further a compelling government interest. So they're not saying that any statute you put out there, government can just turn around and say, yep, we have a compelling reason societally and you're good. They have to demonstrate it's very narrowly tailored, so it's not pulling in these other issues that are getting caught up in it. And it has to be a compelling government interest. So there has to be a showing like would would be there for COVID right. that right. this is killing a lot of people essentially. Right, exactly. Well, I think that it, that's why both the the Denver mayor and the Colorado governor in in their in both of these orders, both of them go through a pretty exhaustive review of kind of everything macro that we knew about COVID, um, explaining where their data came from. Right. Um, what other states have done, right. um, what the president has done, you know, I mean, it, so, and, so they're, and they're doing they're doing that. It's not just because they want people to know about this. They're doing it to protect themselves yes. from a future lawsuit of this kind. Right. Now, maybe they probably do want people to know also, sure. but that's exactly right. They're doing it to establish and to clearly establish a compelling government interest in these rules, right. in these stay-at-home orders, whatever they are. Um, now, I have one more interesting thing that happened here um, that I think it's worth, it's worth talking about. We said earlier, you know, legislatures nowhere have had a chance to legislate new laws specific to COVID. Right. Right. There's pretty much no laws out there. You know, you go to the COVID statute, right? It right. doesn't exist. This, this came on far too quickly for that. So what Denver specifically is doing, there have been at least one citation in Denver under the lockdown order that I know of, probably more, but this one got some publicity. And it was a, a local Grateful Dead bar in Denver, right on Colfax. Sancho's Broken Arrow. That's it. That's the six. Clearly, clearly we have a deadhead in the <laughs> I've studio, been there a few folks. times. <laughs> so, so Sancho's Broken Arrow, it's a little kind of old, old school bar close to the Capitol. Yeah. Probably quarter mile. From the Capitol and police kept going by and hearing loud music and when they banged on the door no one came and answered so they basically said okay you guys are violating the stay-at-home order you clearly are open in there even though we can't get in and see and, and, and by the way bars are uh, Grateful Dead bars even yeah. are non-essential businesses <laughs> which I can't believe but you know what do I know right so um so what the police did, because they don't have this COVID statute they could charge him with, what they did is they just went to the Denver Municipal Code and they found a statute that is codified already, that has been codified for some time. It's Denver Municipal Code 24-16, subparens 1, in, any, in case anyone wants to look it up. <laughs> did you get that? We did can you, pause in case you need we, to write that down. That. <laughs> but it basically says... The manager of public health and environment 
shall exercise supervision over public health and environment of a city and have full power to take all measures necessary to promote the health and cleanliness of the city's and its inhabitants. So then who got cited? The owners of the bar? The people who were at the bar? Like Owners of the bar. Because okay. they never... The bar. The owner of the bar maintains that he was just inside alone playing music loud. Okay. So... And the police never... you know, Never mind those 50 people who were running out the back door. <laughs> right. Well, well, luckily, the Denver police, you know, they didn't know about the back door. <laughs> okay. Good. Good, good. <laughs> so anyway, um, now one thing I want to clarify... I will say that the federal government, uh, even though so far um, President Trump has not exercised a lot of his emergency powers that he he has at his disposal, um, there are some things that the government and only the federal government can do that the states can't really do. We've seen a couple of these already in this crisis. First of all, the federal government can provide financial aid and stimulus and things like that. They can enact laws through Congress uh, to to provide help to anybody who's a United States citizen. Then also, I want to talk about this power, and it's been mentioned a little bit in the media lately, more and more, the Defense Production Act of 1950. Uh, you familiar with this, Russ? I Only from the recent news coverage it has had, I had no idea that this existed prior to COVID. So essentially what it is, it, uh, the main function of this law is it authorizes the, pres- uh, the president to require businesses to accept and prioritize contracts for materials deemed necessary for national defense, or in this case, uh, you know, for public health, uh, regardless of loss incurred on the business. So you can basically say, hey, you need to start making face masks, or company, you need to start making ventilators. So... We've seen this in the news. He, he actually ordered GM, uh, General Motors, to engage in making some uh, health supplies. Um, although GM, it sounds like, has been a completely willing partner. In fact, right. there's a lot of other companies who are voluntarily just coming forth saying, hey, we're going to divert our activities to making face shields or... Safety yeah, the private, masks. private sector has largely stepped up on their own. Yeah, but just a couple of days ago, one thing that uh, Trump did through this Defense Production Act of 1950 is he actually ordered um, food production plants to not close. He ordered them to remain open. So this is a federal order requiring a private business to basically keep operating. So they can't close down. They can't sell. They can't... Um, Take a holiday. <laughs> doesn't matter what the state stay-at-home orders are. Right. It doesn't matter what the company's policy is. Right. Uh, you know, right. The, the, they have now been ordered to keep food production going. And that just preempts everything. And I'm kind of curious. I think that we're, we might see more of, of these activities coming from the White House as this goes on, uh, and particularly as we watch the food supply. Um, but, but, you know, there are powers that the federal government does have uh, that the states don't really even have. But uh, other than that, we wanted to make sure that we covered a really interesting topic, which is where do these guys get their authority? What happens if it conflicts with other states or federal entities? And hopefully you have some more insight into that. So, Russ, what do you think? You got anything else on this? I think we covered everything that I had. If anyone has any questions, if anyone yes. wants any follow-up, hit us up on Twitter, Is this legal pod? Or you can always visit our Facebook page, Habits McAllen. Yep, and in some of our downtime, you may have noticed 
Uh, we're putting out some videos. You can always check out those videos and our other content at our Facebook page and our YouTube channel. But in the meantime, uh, we hope you guys are all staying safe, staying sane, uh, staying comforted in this tough time. Uh, we're thinking about you. It's been a challenge for us, but we're getting through it. And uh, we uh, can't wait to actually see some of you in person one of these days. Stay safe, everyone. You've been listening to Is This Legal? See you next time.